Twitter. I'm Hayes Brown, she's Lola Oganake, and we both survived Black History Month, you know, by the skin of our teeth, but we did it. Ooh, it's the first day of March, which means Women's History Month kicks off today, and you are watching AM to DM. Yes, Hayes, it is Women's History Month, and everybody better be on their best behavior. Noted. No misogyny, mm -hmm. no mansplaining, no manspreading, Check. no big dick energy, unless it comes from a chick. Mm. Chick dick energy, that's what I'm oh, talking about. Make that the hashtag out there. Okay, Lola, well, it's nice to meet you, too. You. It's your first day, you're clearly making yourself very comfortable here on this a set. Comfortable. I like so it here. Now that we know what we can't do yes. during Women's History Month, what do you think we should be doing during Women's History Month? We should all worship women like the goddesses that we are. I mean, fair. Thank you. I think that orgasm should be seismic and plentiful. I can't not co-sign that. You, can, you cannot. Not. <laughs> yes, that's right. And I also think all us working gals should get raises and promotions. How about I, that? I feel that. I feel that pretty hard, actually. Thank you. All right, well, let's take it to the timeline really quickly. Tell us what you think should happen during Women's History Month using the hashtag am to dm All right, Hayes. And since we're getting to know each other, mm -hmm. you should know that I am a huge Game of Thrones fan. Hey. Huge. And I'm not the only one. Danny tweeted, it's 10 a.m. ladies and the new Game of Thrones posters are out. Mm. It's time, bitch. I'm too fucking hyped. I don't care if the whole place is burnt to ashes and no one else is left alive as long as Danny Daenerys, Daenerys Targaryen, <laughs> Daenerys Targaryen sits on that motherfucking throne. Mm. Well, that pretty much sums up how I feel. Hayes, are you a Game of Thrones fan? I mean, Look at me. How can you ask that question? Yeah, of course I'm yeah, a Game yeah. of Thrones yeah, fan. Your shoes give it away. Touche. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing Converse. You can't see them, but it's real. <laughs> the show returns in 44 days. It hasn't been on the air since August of 2017. We're only getting six episodes this season, Hayes, Meh. but they're supersized. Oh. They are supersized episodes. I have another quick question. Who do you want to sit on the throne? Uh, the democratically elected People's Repu uh, Representative of Westeros. That's who... Burn down the Iron Throne. Oh. Get some democracy in here. We need a president of Westeros. What? But also maybe Jon Snow. No. No? No, well, then, he's boring. Well, then who do you want? You're not going to be happy about this. Who do you want? I'm going to go there. Because we've known each other for a grand total of five minutes. Yeah, but who? Cersei. No. Yes. Seriously. How? No, say more words, because I need to know how you can justify wanting Cersei. I know Cersei. that see, she is a pathological, power-hungry psychopath. Yes! I find that very endearing. What? I oh. used to hate her, uh -huh. but after she survived that walk of shame, after mm -hmm. having all that urine and feces thrown at her, and mm -hmm. she emerged with her head held high, I was like, yes, Cersei. I cannot support that. That is not a good system of re justification for a system of governance. Why? You murdered enough people, so therefore you should rule. I mean, then again, there is history to think about. <laughs> exactly. Like all of it. Like all of history, exactly. So let's think about, so the, the posters came out, and yes. what did you think of those? I loved them all, 20 mm. posters and it featured all the characters mm -hmm. and all of them sitting on the throne. Mm -hmm. Everyone, some of the ones we love, some of the ones we hate. But I have to say, the taglines were a little real housewives for really? me. Really? Yeah, I didn't love all of them. Which I didn't ones love did all you like them. and which ones did you hate? I did not love Jamie's. No. It was essentially like, there's no man in the kingdom quite like me. There mm -hmm. are no men like me, only me. Yeah, there are no men like you. The one-handed guy boning his sister. <laughs> nah, no, I hope you're the only one of those. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I really enjoyed the fact that there's people on those posters who there's no chance that they're going to sit on the Iron Absolutely Throne. Chance. If like um, Missandei managed to sit on the Iron Throne, huge twist. Huge twist. On. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it to the timeline. Who do you think deserves to sit on the Iron Throne? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM.
Okay, speaking of megalomaniacs yeah. buying for control and power, we have to talk about what is going to probably wind up being the biggest story of the day. The drama in Kardashian world. Yes, Jordan Woods will be appearing on Jada Pinkett Smith's Red Table Talk today. We don't know much about the interview, which is scheduled to air at noon, but TMZ tweeted this. Jordan Woods apologizes for betraying Khloe Kardashian on Red Table Talk. Hmm. I mean, do you think the internet is being fair to Jordan? I mean, not really is the thing. Like, don't get me, don't get it twisted. She definitely fucked up too. But I feel like all of the heat is coming onto her and not on Tristan. Like, where is Tristan? I haven't heard a single word out of Tristan's mouth since this whole thing started. Where is he? Not playing basketball, bench rider. I said it. Ooh. Bench writer. He tweeted something about it all being fake news, but apparently it's true. Chloe essentially confirmed mm -hmm. it to People Magazine. Listen, my problem is Jordan messed up her money. Mm. Like, you can't let the D get in the way of the money. Mm. You were living rent-free in a big old mansion with Kylie. She set you up with a business, and you ruined all of that for Tristan? Mm. Spe Tristan? Speaking of Kylie, though, did you hear about Travis Scott and how he reportedly canceled one of his concerts to fly back to California? Okay. And so he's being confronted with cheating rumors as well now. So I just, what are y'all doing out here? Hayes, think about it. You're mm -hmm. a 20-something-year-old rapper. You're mm -hmm. a 20-something-year-old basketball star. You're at the height of your career. Those two men are expected to be faithful? I think not. I mean, I would hope that they are. It's Women's History Month. So You'll be hope. on the women's side. Keep hope alive, but these girls have to be smart out here. You have to choose wisely. Mm -hmm. Those two men, no. What not do you think? Happen. How do you think Chris Jenner feels all about all this? Do you think she's like, "Oh no, my babies," or this is going to be some great television? See, that's the woman who understands how to secure the bag. Mm. I think every time drama comes into her life, she's like, "Yes, mm. another plot line." <laughs> well, let's do a little crossover. Let's take you to the timeline. Yes. Who in the Kardashian-Jenner clan do you think would manage to take the Iron Throne? Which of them do you think would be ruling over everything with or without dragons? Let us know using the hashtag AM2WinterIsHere. All right, and speaking of megalomaniacs lying, buying for control, here's a tweet from The Atlantic. Trump finally took his own negotiating advice in his summit with Kim, Kim Jong-un, writes David Graham. Here to talk about Trump and Kim's meeting and why Trump walked away without a deal is staff writer for The Atlantic, David Graham. Good morning, David. Good morning. So in your piece, you seem surprised that this was the time Trump opted to walk away from the table. Why the shock? Yeah, I mean, Trump keeps folding. We keep seeing these negotiations where he comes in, he talks a big game, and then he ends up giving in or walking, you know, just not getting what he wants and having to give in. And there was huge stakes here. You know, he was talking for weeks about what a big summit this was going to be, how important it was going to be. Plus, you've got the Michael Cohen testimony going on, so he really needs a domestic win. Mm -hmm. uh, and instead, he ends up leaving the conference early and saying he couldn't get a deal. Mm. Are there any areas where the president has the upper hand in negotiations, David? I think this is maybe one of the few ones. You know, so many of these things are cases where he comes in negotiating with Congress and he wants something and they don't want to do it. He doesn't really have a whole lot to give. So since he's always the one asking, he ends up being the one giving in. But here, I think the North Koreans are, in some ways, you know, more eager for a deal than he is, and that gives him the leverage to actually walk away for a change. So do you think that there is a lesson to be drawn from how the summit went down, especially how it ended, either from you know, world, other world leaders watching this or from even the Democrats watching this? Well, I mean, I think one thing it shows is that if in the right situation, Trump will, in fact, walk away. So you've got to be careful about that. But you even see, even in this situation, and he comes out of there 
talking about how Kim Jong-un couldn't possibly have wanted Otto Warmbier, the, the American who slipped into a coma in North Korean captivity, to die. He didn't know anything about it. So even there, he's willing to give in to these people and sort of offer these weird words. It, it's just hard to understand where he comes to these things and, and what approach he's going to take in any given situation. So, I mean, is there any sign of a strategy at this point in any of his negotiations, or is he just sort of like popping off? What's the current working thesis on how Trump actually translates what he wants into negotiating? I think he doesn't have a working thesis, you know? Um, and this is an interesting case where he's got advisors who are very hawkish in North Korea, people like John Bolton. And I think they're kind of pushing him on this. They are unlet, you know, and, and Mike Pompeo, too, the, the Secretary of State. They're unwilling to sort of let him give in to the North Koreans in a way that he might otherwise. And so that's pushing him. But you get him back talking about some other domestic situation, whether it's the wall or something else. He doesn't have the same people uh, at his side. And, and as a result, he's, you know, more likely to give in. So what's your prediction? Does Trump continue his bromance with Kim Jong-un or is it back to fire and fury, little rocket man disses? What do you think? You know, I think he's got to keep going on this. He's invested so much work in it. He's had these two meetings. Uh, you know, he's talked about how great Kim is, which is an odd thing to do and sort of cuts in his credibility. So I think he's got to keep trying. And, you know, even in leaving this, he said, we, we had a good conversation. We have a good rapport. We just couldn't get there in this meeting. So he's at least, you know, suggesting he's going to give it another shot. But at the same time, it's clear the North Koreans don't want to denuclearize. And so I don't know what it is that's going to create a breakthrough that's actually going to work. Mm. So one of the things that was honestly strangest about this whole affair was at the press conference after there was no deal, where Trump basically like agreed with Kim Jong-un's version of events about the death of U.S. student uh, Otto Warmbier. Uh, how, do you, how has that been going over domestically, this sort of uh, agreement yet again with someone saying, the U.S. version of events is wrong, here's what really happened? I think in a word, poorly. <laughs> uh, you got Nancy Pelosi bashing him on it. You had uh, Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador, bashing him on it although someone implicitly, even the Warmbier family this morning came out with a statement saying that there's no excuse for making apologies for Kim Jong-un. Time and again, we see him taking the account of these authoritarian leaders, whether that's Mohammed bin Salman on Jamal Khashoggi, um, whether that's Vladimir Putin on Russian hacking, or whether that's now Kim on uh, Otto Warmbier. It's very strange. It is very strange. But thank you so much for joining us, David, and have a good day. Thank you. All right, well, later in the show, we're going live from the district with the latest, but first up, we have fire tweets. So stick around, everybody. Big first day so far. I know, it's so exciting. Enjoying yourself so far? I'm having a good time. I'm excited about this next segment. All right, you ready for your first fire tweet? I am ready. All right, I'll let you have the first one. All right. Ah! Kyle's tweeted, is your dad really your dad if he doesn't say who? After talking about any of your friends, even if he's known them for literally seven years. Wow, I know, the right? accuracy. And the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. He is no longer your father. That is a replicant. <laughs> if he knows more than five names, turn him into the police immediately. Yeah, there are three of us. My dad can't remember any of our names. <laughs> Not even your name. Not even my name. He's like, well, uh, you, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me the remote control. <laughs> <laughs> Not the clicker. Just Not the, the clicker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's see. Yushra, you tweeted. My brother was asked to make a donation at the British Museum today, and he politely told the lady, my donation is the Sudan section. Mm. Wow, I am here for that big, like, killmonger energy. Yes, yes. Did you pay for that? No, you didn't. You just took what you wanted. Oh, 
that was nice. Nice yeah. Killmonger. Nice. Watch out, Michael B. Jordan. I'm being recast <laughs> in Black Panther 2. All of this coming for you. <laughs> Black Panther 2, baby. I like that. And I love stolen antiquities in the morning, but they're cereal divine. <laughs> All right, another fire tweet for yes. me. Woo. Sarah Morse tweeted, Dating my last boyfriend was like being on The Bachelor, but not knowing I was on The Bachelor. Ooh, that's that rough. Yeah, so yeah. like he's out there penning yeah. out roses to other bitches. Yeah. Not the bitches. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, it's Women's History Month. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the misogyny. Don't cancel me. Oh no. Fire tweet to your face. Boom. Uh, all right, next up, Relly, you tweeted. <laughs> me requesting off equals I'm off. Facts. Period. Period. Point blank. There. That is for your information yes. only, and I'm I just won't be plans. here. Yeah, not going. Not, not going. <laughs> nope, not doing it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for your first tweet of the day? Oh, yes. All right. Ready? Yes. Let's hit this. All right. Oh. All right. Tweet of the day comes from T. I heard my kids joking on each other in the other room, and someone yelled out, that's why you look like mommy in the morning. <gasps> Wait a fucking minute now. Oh my God. How are you gonna go in on your mother like that? That is so disrespectful. That is so savage. If any of my kids roasted me like that, <laughs> they're getting left in the woods like Hansel and Gretel. I'm taking any and all bread products from them. No crumbs for you. No water. You're just lost. You get nothing. <laughs> nothing. It takes a little while to get ready in the morning when you're a mom sometimes. Right? Not that I would know I woke up like this. Hey. My lashes. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up, you get to see Saeed's interview with the star of Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway, Andrew Barth Feldman. But up next, we are going live from the district. Welcome back. We're going live from the district, and here's a tweet from Emma Loop. The House Intelligence Committee wants to question the Trump Organization's chief financial officer after Cohen implicated him in hush payments. Joining us now to talk about this story is BuzzFeed News politics reporter Lysandra Villa. Good morning. Hello, how are you? We're pretty good. So Lisa, good. you wrote that story with Emma. Who is Alan Weisselberg again and why does the House Intelligence Committee want to speak with him? Alan Weiselberg is the CFO of the Trump Organization, and he's been hanging out in Trump world for the last 40 years. He actually started working for Trump's dad, Fred. And the reason that you're hearing about him now is because he came up multiple times during Michael Cohen's testimony before the House Oversight Committee on Wednesday earlier this week. Now, what is the House hoping to learn from Weiselberg? So the House, um, the, the reason that he came up was it was in the context of two things. The main one being the hush money payments to women during the 2016 election. But then secondly, other potential fraudulent activity that the Trump organization has been involved in over the years. So that's what they're going to be seriously taking a look at. Now, is it how, just House Intelligence who wants to question him or are there other committees who want in on the game? Yeah. Well, after the House Oversight Committee hearing, you know, yes, Intel is the one that's saying that they'll, they expect to bring him in. But the chairman of the Oversight Committee also said that basically anyone Michael Cohen named will be brought in for, for a questioning or you can maybe expect them with the caveat that the committee's being careful about not, um, not interfering with special counsel Mueller or the Southern District of New York's work. Um, but yeah, it, they, they are very interested based on what we have heard so far. And what were Ro Khanna and AOC asking in regards to Weisselberg? 
Yeah. So again, it was in the context of those hush money payments and other potential fraudulent activity. But the way that their questioning was seen broadly was laying out threads that the committee could pursue in the future. Um, so again, you know, once he names a name, it gives the committee reason to to look into that into that individual, um, which is which was kind of the the thinking behind that questioning. So some of the names that were brought up were really interesting, including, you know, Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka. Is there any chance that we can expect to see them appearing before House Oversight in the near future? There is a real chance. Um, again, I would emphasize that the, the chairman has said he really wants to be careful about not interfering with Mueller and the Southern District of New York's work. Um, but yeah, lawmakers have a lot of questions about these people. So, so we'll, we're, we're looking to see who else they want to bring in. Um, but those committees are going to have very busy rests of the year. That's right. All right, here's a tweet from the New York Times. President Trump ordered his chief of staff to grant Jared Kushner a top secret security clearance last year, overruling concerns flagged by intelligence officials and the White House's top lawyer. Lisa, can we expect Congress to look into this too? I mean, and which committee would do so? So these clearances are something that lawmakers already had questions about and were looking into. This falls squarely into the Oversight Committee's jurisdiction. But as I've already, you know, we've kind of already seen with the Cohen stuff, there's just a lot of overlapping interests here. So it's not impossible that, like, the Intel Committee, for example, could also have questions about that. Here's a tweet from Paul McLeod. Uh, Senator Lamar Alexander said Trump is sparking a constitutional crisis by pursuing a state of emergency to build the border wall. He may be the crucial fourth Republican needed for Congress to pass a bill to end the state of emergency. So, Lisa, what would happen if the Senate passed this resolution against Trump's state of emergency? So the first thing I want to say is that the Senate still has two weeks before they, they, have to, they have to bring this to the floor under the expedited timeline that it has to be looked at. Mm -hmm. Having said that, if by the end of those two weeks the votes are there for the Senate to pass it, um, this this would have to get the president's signature, and Trump has already said that he will veto it. Um, but two weeks is a long time in Hill terms. It feels like a hundred a years worth of news cycles can fit into <laughs> that. Um, so we'll see where we are between now and then. Uh, yes, a hundred years. Okay. Uh, what other Republicans may vote yes to this resolution? So, so far, we know that Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski have come out as original co-sponsors of the Senate's resolution to reject Trump's national emergency. There's a third, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, who is also interested, or who's also said that he, he would, he, it's looking like he'll support it. And then we're just waiting to see from a lot of undecided senators to see what they do. But it's really, if you're a Republican senator, it's really hard to be the fourth person that's going to tip some legislation mm -hmm. in Trump's way that Trump already wants to veto. Um, so it's just kind of waiting to see where all these people um, end up deciding to vote. So like you said, Trump will likely veto this, but is there a chance that it actually gets the override from Congress, that they manage to muster up enough votes to say, F your veto, sir? It's very, very unlikely that a veto-proof majority is there. Um, so what the question would become then is do, is, do Democrats want to pursue other legal actions? All right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for that information. Up next, it's time for Saeed's interview with Dear Evan Hansen star Andrew Barth Feldman. 
Hey friends, I am so excited to be joined by Andrew Barth Feltman. He's currently starring in Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, so I, I love this. What, what, for, if people don't know about Dear Evan Hansen, all five of them, um, <laughs> is that Dear Evan Hansen is about a high school student, yep. uh, a boy who, you know, gets into some complicated uh, life situations. That's uh, a way to put it. And you are actually 16. Yeah. Right? So you, is this the first time a teenager's actually been playing Dear Evan Hansen? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a relatively new show. It's been mm-hmm. around for, for two years. It's mm-hmm. had an amazing run on Broadway, and but everyone that's played the role has been in, in their 20s. Yeah. So Which, you know... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when it was announced you were taking over the role earlier, uh, you wrote this on Instagram. Uh, this is my singular greatest dream. I am making my Broadway debut as my very tippy-top dream role at the age of 16. That's a dream sentence, and this is a dream life. You were very eloquent, 16-year-old. Oh, I was not like that when I was <laughs> a teenager. Uh, how's it feel? Because now you're about like a month in to yeah. the run, right? Yeah, you know, it, it's settling. I'm mm. still very much, there's a moment every night where I'm like, oh my God, this is happening, and I'll like <laughs> mess up the choreography or something. But it's, uh, yeah, it's very much settling, and I'm, I'm feeling myself sort of taking ownership of of the performance, and it's really exciting. Yeah, and I, I wondered about that. I mean, of course, Ben Platt was incredible, his performance, and people talk about him, but I have to imagine you were coming in and doing Evan your own way. Like, yeah. is it changing kind of as you go? Oh, it's cha- It's completely different every mm-hmm. night, and, and you know, there's always the, the Ben Platt thing sort okay. of looming over me, because that's what people know, and, and mm-hmm. people would come to the show mm-hmm. to see Ben. Um, but I could never be Ben Platt, and I'm not going to try to be Ben Platt. Okay, so. that's good. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like single white female. It I, doesn't work. <laughs> I couldn't. Okay. I couldn't do it. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I'm just, I, I'm trying to be what Evan means to me. I, mm-hmm. I can't try to be Ben. I can't try to be Taylor, and I can't try to be me. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to be Evan. Yeah. So I also want to ask just like pragmatically, you know, because like I host, you know, a, a daily morning show five days a week and, you know, it's its own kind of um, challenges out of, of doing that. Waking up early, for example. <laughs> um, what's it like doing a Broadway show as, at like 16? Like what do you, what's your day like today? Um, so on, on the day of the show, I... <laughs> I open my eyes when I wake up and I go, wave it! Like, I just make sure I have it. <laughs> like, I just check. Still got it. Okay. Still got it. Okay. And, and, if, and if it's a day where it doesn't come out, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Okay. Um, I'm sorry. That is I freak out all day. so funny. Literally, That's literally I wake, how you... I'm making a... I'm, this is the official announcement, I guess. I'm making, like, a one second every day of, okay. every morning when I wake up and go, wave it! And, like... <laughs> So that I could just be like every single wow. day for a year okay. or, or however long I did this. And so, um, I, uh, and then I'll, I'll sort of do it a couple times just to get myself warm up. Mm-hmm. And then I will stop talking. Mm. Then I get to the theater and I do everything imaginable for my voice. There's okay. peppermint oil, a saline spray, a shower, a oh. steam inhaler. Okay. I warm up. I don't talk. I do everything possible to make sure that my voice is the last thing I have to worry about in the show and I can just focus on what Evan is going are you, are you running away from people to avoid talking? I, I just you, like, hide in my dressing room. Oh, okay. I, 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 like, I might, luckily, my dressing room's on, like, a different floor than okay. everybody else, and I can just sort of, like, hide there and sit there in my robe and stare yeah. at myself in the mirror or read Harry Potter or whatever and just sort of... <laughs> 
um, oh, not talk. And the youths. I love them. <laughs> I love this. Um, well, okay, so you uh, <laughs> you actually tweet. Which is, which is good because this is a Twitter morning show, so it's, oh, it's very yeah, convenient. Yeah. Um, and we have a game we play now and then um, called Did You Tweet That? Oh, boy. And, and I got to tell you, <laughs> no, no pressure, but the first person who ever played Did You Tweet That on am to dm was Audra McDonald. Oh, my so, God. You know, I'm not saying I'm it's totally possible for you to disappoint <laughs> me, but you could. Okay. So this is how it's going to work. Uh, I have some tweets. Some of them are yours. Some of them are for other people. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm going to just read you the tweet, and we'll see how good your your Twitter recall. This is going to be my favorite. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Um, Peter Pan's flight has a 100 minute wait right now. This is Trump's America. Did you tweet that? That was me. Yes, I did. (laughs) Oh, look at that. Isn't that satisfying? It's very satisfying. So I understand you are obsessed with Disney World and Universal Studios. Very much. And you check the wait time. Because Peter Pan's flights are right, right? Yeah. You check the. Were you there when you were checking? No. No, no, no. I was just because uh, while I'm doing this show, I can't go. And okay. I would go like once a year. And, and now would be about the time that we'd start planning our trip at the end of the summer. Okay. And so I'm going through like major Disney wow. withdrawals right now. And okay. I'm like, it's a total subconscious thing. But so I just go on the app and check the wait times. As like a hobby, I plan other people's Disney trips for them. Like, I'm, I'm, Listen to it. <laughs> really I'm like, like I, I, my, I have a couple friends at a high school near me that are going there for like a choir trip okay. and I'm like planning, fully okay. planning their trip. Oh God. <laughs> That's what I do. I like, I feel like you could just like, you have a future as a travel agent. Anyway, I, okay, yes. let's do some more. Um, Evan Hansen is a Hufflepuff. Did you tweet that? No. No, you didn't. Oh, but I agree. Black tweeted that. You okay. agree? I'm, yes. Oh, I 100%. Okay. I've been thinking about getting a Hufflepuff pendant for the dressing room because we're oh, okay. both Hufflepuffs. Oh, and then I found out that Ben Platt also had a Hufflepuff okay. pendant in his dressing uh-huh. room, so I, I'm still probably going to do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Here's another one. I will force my child to do photo shoots with me dressed as Star Wars characters, and I will have lightsaber battles with them to make them tired before bed. Thank you, amen. Did you tweet that? Wasn't that Rachel Zegler? You, that's good. Okay. Yes. So, okay, Rachel Zegler oh. is, of course, like, she was the, the teen, also teen. Yeah, yeah. Another youth uh, who was singing Shallows and now is going to play Maria in West Side Story. Are y'all friends? I feel like there were yeah, a lot yeah. of tweets with um, Okay. Kind of. We, uh-huh. we, we know each other through a mutual friend, Antonio Cipriano, okay. who was a Jimmy winner the year before, Jimmy finalist the year before me. Okay. Um, and he's good friends with her, so I've, okay. I, yeah, we've, we've talked um, so and fun. met a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, let's do <laughs> one more. Okay. Um, oh, I like this. Uh, okay, here we go. I think this Twitter only exists for me to talk about Smash. Oh, that was me, yes. You do. First of all, how old were you when Smash was on? I didn't watch it when it was on, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I, I... I had I just didn't know what it was when it was on. I was I don't even know. I was too young to. Okay, watch yeah. Thank it for you. Sure. Don't hurt my feelings. Um, <laughs> We're doing so well here. <laughs> and uh, no, I watched it on like iTunes after okay. I bought it. It was I watched it live. It was very good. Uh, do you want it to come back? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I need it. it. It's Broadway is such a totally different. I mean, it's always changing. It's mm-hmm. a totally different landscape, and with mm-hmm. stuff like. Like this show and and be more chill. Have all these super interesting stories of how they got to Broadway. We need more Smash. Okay. Do you want to do you want to look at that camera yeah. right there? Yeah, yeah. Or look Which at one? this camera. Look yeah, at this camera one? and and tell the creators of Smash like beg them to bring it back. NBC. We the world needs more Smash. You know this. I know this. 
BuzzFeed AM to DM knows this. Please bring Smash back. So polite. Thank you. So pol- you're like the <laughs> nicest teenager I've ever spoken to. Well, Andrew, thank you. thank you so much for coming so to hang out. Yeah, this is really great. Obviously, you guys have to go see Andrew on stage uh, and Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway right now. Get those tickets because they're so hot, all right? Uh, more AM to DM is up next. <laughs> thank you. They should bring it back. Welcome back, gang. Here's a tweet from Taylor Lorenz. The Momo challenge is not real, but these hoaxes tap into people's deep-seated fears about the internet and distract from the real dangers online. Taylor Lorenz, staff writer for The Atlantic, joins us now to talk about the Momo challenge, which is absolutely not, I repeat, not trying to kill your children. Good morning, Taylor. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? We're Instagram <laughs> friends, but we're one step closer to meeting in real life. How are you doing? I know. Hi. I know your sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's awesome. Shout out to Nikki. All right. Before we talk about my sister for too long, Taylor, what is the Momo Challenge? Please explain. So the Momo Challenge is kind of this viral hoax based off this um, kind of creepy image of this sculpture that was created uh, in this sort of Japanese, for this Japanese horror gallery. Um in 2016, um, people started to take pictures with this creepy um, statue of this kind of this like, you know, scary looking girl with really big bug eyes um, and, and kind of creepy hair. Um, and so they started posting on Instagram that got shared to Reddit slash, you know, r slash creepy. Um, and people kind of basically started to make up this urban legend about it, which is that um, Momo comes to the internet and she tries to kill you. And there's been sort of several instances of how she does that. Sometimes she hacks into WhatsApp groups. Sometimes she comes and hacks into YouTube videos, which is, by the way, impossible. But um, yeah, and, and basically like tries to harm your children. And what's funny is this, this story actually went viral just less than a year ago. Um, we went through this whole news cycle with Momo um, just last summer, too. In America, it was parents freaked out. Local news covered it. It was debunked. Um, and here we are again, going through it all again. <laughs> you know, Taylor, in your piece, you talk about other viral internet challenges and the cycle of outrage they create. What are some other examples of this? You mentioned the cycle. It seems to be something that keeps repeating itself. Yeah, I saw a tweet from Abby Olsinger uh, this morning at Washington Post, and she was just like, if you want to spread fake news, or I'm butchering it, uh, but basically make up a, a teen trend. And there's this hilarious SNL skit that parodies this, but it's basically like, worried parents will share anything. Um, local news will often cover, you know, a lot of these stories without the scrutiny that they would give to, um, you know, to other news stories. And it's basically just playing off parents' fears. So yeah, it's kind of like the Tide Pods thing. Um, no one was ever really doing it. It was kind of a joke, um, but as it spreads, it becomes a meme. Um, and then people, you know, sort of trolls hop on. People do actually sometimes start to do it as a joke. Um, but yeah, there, there's countless examples of this and it's the kind of like kids are, you know, playing the records backwards to hear Satan or, you know, there's razor blades and Halloween candy. There's a lot of these like fake news stories, um, meant to prey on parents fear. Well, speaking of parents fears, I want to read this tweet from our very own Katie Natopoulos. The Momo panic works because it taps into parents guilt that the demands of modern parenting require sometimes just letting kids watch YouTube videos on the phone. The real Momo is the lack of social services in the U.S., like paid maternity leave, affordable childcare. How do parents play a part in these challenges? I love Katie. That's a perfect tweet. Uh, well, parents play a part because they really, I mean, I, I think what, what this particular challenge exploits is parents' misunderstanding of the internet and fear of the internet as this like nefarious force that's coming to 
kill their children. Um, and this, you know, the scary thing is there are a lot of harmful things on YouTube, but I think it sort of exploits parents, um, fear that they're letting their kids, you know, spend too much time online or that they're bad parents by letting them watch YouTube or, you know, that they can't monitor every single thing that they, the kids are going to do online. Well, what's the biggest thing parents miss when trying to protect their kids from harmful messages on the internet? What are they not getting? They're not getting the fact that like what, what, what the real dangers are not, um, are not like some viral challenge. Um, I mean, we saw actually some people kind of like trolls take advantage of, of children's YouTube videos um, to splice in really kind of traumatic messages. Um, that's not really widespread, but it, it is kind of like you, you do have to kind of be mindful of what your children are watching online. Um, but more importantly, think critically about these platforms and how they're using your kids and how they're exploiting your kids. And, you know, whether these are even places that you want your kids to spend time. I mean, YouTube has been under fire for a lot of kind of bad stuff. Um, we saw Facebook also, you know, um, taking advantage of kids, exploiting them to kind of like milk them for money with viral games. All of these platforms um, can be really nefarious in itself. And it's worth questioning the platforms, not like some boogeyman that's going to come through their screen. No, speaking of YouTube, here's a tweet from The Guardian's Alex turn. YouTube is disabling all comments on videos featuring young children as it attempts to head off an organized ring of pedophiles who were using its site to trade clips of young girls in states of undress. So yeah, what else is going on on YouTube? Well, exactly. I mean, that's an, that's another thing that YouTube has been grappling with are these sort of like child porn uh, rings. Um, I mean, that said, that problem is... Uh, relatively um, small, but I think it's like, it, it's basically, um, you know, parents and a lot of times have uploaded videos of their children, maybe doing gymnastics or whatever. Um, and pedophiles will kind of like take to the comments to, um, to mark certain, you know, uh, moments where it looks suggestive or whatever and trade that information with other pedophiles. And so that's disgusting. And, and no parent, you know, wants their children exploited that way. But it's like, I, I think it's like thinking about before you put, and I just wrote an article on this last week, but before you upload stuff, um, you know, photos, videos, stuff of your child to the internet, uh, think about who can see it. And if you're uploading it to a platform like YouTube, be aware that like literally anyone in the world can see it. And that includes a lot of, you know, bad people. Um, so yeah, YouTube needs to get better at cracking down this stuff. It's a YouTube problem. I mean, you, YouTube is ultimately, um, the arbiter of their own platform and they need to moderate this kind of stuff better. And Taylor, thank you so much for the great advice. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, up next, we're debuting a very exciting RuPaul's Drag Race segment featuring a very special guest. I can't wait. RuPaul's Drag Race season 11 premiered last night and friends, the library is now open. This is AMTDM's weekly Drag Race recap. And to kick things off, I am so The God. age of the heterosexual is over. I'm Syzygy. <laughs> Welcome, Syzygy. Oh, thanks, Hayes. So glad to have you here. I know. Oh, wow. Let's, that's how it's gonna be. <laughs> and you know Sorry. what? I am ready for this. I, I hope I'm ready for this. So let's, let's kick things off. What were your thoughts on the first episode overall? How do you think it mm. went? Mm. Eh? That's it? Mm. Eh? Um, it was good. It was good, yeah. yeah. I was entertained. Okay, so, yeah. so what, were, what is it about this episode that you liked, and what do you think mm. you're just kind of... Eh. Um, I always really like seeing drag on TV, mm. and I love really? Drag Race. It's mm -hmm. super important. But I don't know. It was, a, it was an interesting episode. Let's say that. 
Fair enough. Okay, so let's get into a little bit more detail then. Mm -hmm. So the mini challenge, let's start with that. That was a photo shoot with all of the past queens. How do you think that went as the first Mm. introduction to how a lot of these new queens, 15 of them, by the way. That's a lot of of ladies. (laughs) I feel that might be a little bit too many ladies to start off the season. Look, that's like a baker's dozen plus some numbers. I don't count. (laughs) No, you do count. And that's why representation matters. (laughs) <laughs> but no, the mini challenge, what yeah, do you yeah, think yeah. of it? Um, the thing I really liked about the mini challenge, especially because we were incorporating some of those past queens, mm. was, you know, it was just good to get Ginger Minge out of the house. Woof. So. I mean, she did look great, though, in my opinion. Yeah, no, she looked great. I love to see her. I love to see her in... Um, Derek Barry? Yeah, Derek Yeah, Derek Barry. <laughs> that <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> uh, was there any standout from you in those photos? Oh, uh, no, because... In my opinion, a drag race photo shoot during the first week, I need to see queens getting dunked in water, on trampolines, <laughs> being hit with pillows, and Fair. I didn't get that. Fair. Actually, really quickly, uh, let's back up a little and talk about the entrance looks. How did you feel yeah. about those? The entrance looks were really interesting this year because I feel like so many of them were a little bit nervous, so the mm. entrances were very like, I feel like with Kahana's it was very like, Hi, I'm Kahana Montrese. Mm. But when you say my name, you have to say it's sexy. Kahana. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I mean, I was into it. she didn't really like give me life, so I can kind of right. agree with that. Um, quickly, a Rooseperacy for you. Sure. I loved how Miss Vanjie came mm. in. Mm-hmm. She looked amazing. Mm-hmm. She looked great. But then she immediately hid and waited for the other yeah. queens to come in, which I thought at first great. Loved it. But then in the mini challenge, you see uh, the other queens popping up. And my conspiracy is Miss Vanjie did not come up with hiding. Oh, no. That was a producer. 100%. But you know what the benefit was? Her hiding for the first five girls meant that I didn't need to hear her respond to every single girl. Which I appreciated, mm-hmm. but it was a lot. Fair enough. All right. Let's jump to... Uh, Let's jump to the maxi challenge really quickly, mm, mm. which was the girls taking uh, leftover mm. materials from past queens mm. and interpreting that into their own style. How do you think they did with that? It was interesting because I feel like some of the girls were very successful. Obviously, Brooke won. Mm-hmm. And Brooke was successful because she milled her style mm-hmm. along with detoxes. That's true. And she had a truth to materials that I feel some girls just made whatever they normally wear, mm-hmm. and it didn't really feel like the other girl. You know? I know. I really. I also. I agree. I really liked her look. She deserved yeah. that win strongly. Absolutely. You saw the vinyl. You saw the slick back mm-hmm. wig. You mm-hmm. saw the line, and it was like it reads detox, but doesn't look like she was cosplaying exactly. as detox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and who else made a big impression on you? Would you say uh, who else made a big impression on me? Um, Soju mm. made a big impression on me for good reasons and bad reasons. Yeah. I feel first and foremost when Soju walked in, I find it interesting that VH VH1 editors. Mm. Every time that a queen of Asian descent walks in and has an outfit that's celebrating her heritage, Mm -hmm. we have to hear stereotypical music. So Mm -hmm. that is some tea right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what was the good that you mm, The good, super personable. I've watched her show for years. Mm. She's a lovely person, and it's just regrettably, she wasn't it. 
Mm. So one queen, though, did take over the mm. workroom, Miss Silky Nutmeg and Nash. What did you think about her? I want to know what you felt about her first. Girl, uh, I thought Silky was uh, muchly. She was so mm. much. And I get that it's television and you want the screen time and you want to make sure people remember you, but you want to make sure people, I feel like, remember you for the right reasons. And for me so far, not so much. How about you? Well, there's a different difference between demanding attention mm -hmm. and commanding attention. Mm. And I feel that Silky is still young and she's navigating that the same way that Laganja did. Ooh, strong yeah. comparison. I well, see it. You know, Laganja has mm -hmm. some of the catchphrases that we still use to this day. Mm -hmm. She's super important and an incredible drag queen. I feel that Silky's on that same path, mm -hmm. but on this flip side, Far be it for me to police her black boy joy, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna let her keep living her life however she wants to, but it's the first episode, so inevitably they're gonna fight. Correct. Yeah. So <laughs> she was, though, the first one to clock Miley Cyrus undercover. How, what you, you know <laughs> that Miley's bodyguards were oh sitting God. there with like with it, that Arthur fist, like. Yes, quaking. <laughs> like, get her off your back. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, A, Miley is like 10 pounds. Correct. And being thrown over Silky's shoulder, yeah. Yeah. Why do you think she did as a judge? Why was she as a judge? How was she as a judge? Oh, how was she as a judge? Um, Lady Gaga was the greatest judge of all time. I mean, that's So undeniable. full stop. So it was good to get Miley out of the house, too. Whoa. Okay, so if you have not watched last night's episode yet, it's time to secure your wigs. Secure them, people. This is spoiler territory. I didn't glue mine down. You are off the show. Get out. Fuck no, no, come back. Okay. We need you still. Okay, great, great. okay, so the bottom two were Soju and Kahana. Mm. You have to Montrese. say sexily. Sexily, Kahana. Kahana. Montrese. So what did you think of their lip sync to Hannah Montana's theme song, Best of Both Worlds? Okay, what did you think first? <laughs> I thought that, um, I feel like Soju was really hindered by yeah. the materials. Uh, materials, because I won't even call it a dress. It was kind of just sure. tied on. Um, soft sculpture. Soft sculpture. You saw it starting to fall as she was doing. Meanwhile, Kahana was busting out every boom cat she yeah. could. And I felt like she was almost giving a little too much. That was my opinion, too, is that if... If Soju wasn't tied her, mm -hmm. like, her costume into knots mm -hmm. and then trying to pull them and then it just got tighter, if Soju hadn't done that and just delivered the song, mm -hmm. she could have won because even though Kahana was giving me way more energy, Kahana was hitting incredible dance moves, Kahana was still doing padawure, padawure, windmill <laughs> kick, stuff touch, and it's like, is, is that... Miley Cyrus, is that Hannah Montana? No, it felt really generic. It felt like yeah. you could have done that routine. Any song, Any yeah. Any single song. Yeah, I agree, I agree. So do you think, though, that the right queen went home? <sighs> I know this is a tough question. Everything, ha under God's eye haze, everything <laughs> happens for a reason. Jesus Christ. I know. Him too. <laughs> Him too. <laughs> um... In retrospect, I would love to see every girl more mm. um, because this is an incredible opportunity and I just love watching them. Mm -hmm. But regrettably, Soju isn't the most top-notch performer. Mm -hmm. I also feel that if Kim Chi ever were in a lip sync, she'd probably go home too. Woof. Yeah. I mean... I love Kim Chi though. I am... People are going to flame me so no, much right aren't. now. They no, I came are. for Kim I mean, Chi and Miley Cyrus. She has yeah. fans. She does have fans. Yeah. She does. Yeah. Miley. <laughs> um, I personally, I, I agree. I think that mm -hmm. Soju probably deserved to go home for yeah. the lip sync, uh, just because she just did not have her shit together, yeah. unfortunately. And she was um, flat. But this does mean that we get another week of Silky. Look, she... <laughs> 
in in the Meet the Queens, I adored her. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that I adore her in the subsequent weeks. Really quickly, uh, yeah. while we still have time, Untucked. Sure. Uh, what did you think oh. about that? Um, I didn't watch it because I've been <gasps> doing my makeup since 6 a.m. That is very fair. Well, Thank when you. you get the chance, You can zoom back. in on this whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get the chance, do go back and watch Untucked. They uh, start to address the... I'm not listening to you. Jesus Christ. This is going to be a fun couple of weeks with you, isn't it? Well, we're a fun couple, Hayes. Yes. Well, let's pour one out for our sister, okay. Soju. And so I just, look, here's all the contestants. Oh, Goodbye. Wow. Goodbye. We're going to be doing this each week and just Xing them off as they go. So thank you so much, Syzygy. It's been great having you and your expertise. Let's take it to the timeline really quickly. Let us know how you feel about the upcoming season using Drag Race Gifts and the hashtag am to dm And with that, the library is now closed. Welcome back. We asked what you want to happen during Women's History Month. Rachel, hey girl, failed says, all women Wednesday on AM to DM. Hey, that's just not a bad idea. I feel like, oh, that's right. We are going to be having an International Women's Day show on Friday that's next week. Fantastic. We are still going to have the uh, whole drag, uh, drag race moment, recap, recap moment. The library will be open next week, though, yes. so don't worry about that, everyone. I'm ready for an epic read. Yes. <laughs> we also asked who deserves to sit on the Iron Throne, and Melissa Jordan says, I think it'll be three rulers like the ancient days, and I predict it will be Daenerys, John, and Tyrion. Oh, that's actually a good theory. How do you feel about it? I don't know about that. But the dragon has three heads. It's a little happy ending. I don't want that. Mm, you still I, want Cersei? I want Cersei. But the pro- prophecy says <laughs> the dragon has three heads. So I it's see true. that being kind of a thing, but I don't know if it's going to be those three. What? Let's not let prophecies get in the middle of my fantasies. I th- this whole show is prophecies. <laughs> I know. Jeez. I just want a Cersei spinoff, so. <laughs> I think we That's can handle all. it. HBO. Forget the prequel. Give us a Cersei sequel. Let's do this. That's what I'm talking about. If she lives, who knows? Whomst knows? Finally, our most important question to you all. Which Kardashian-Jenner member do you think would take the Iron Throne? Mm. Go Sandy says, Chris is on the Iron Throne, but I can see Kendall sneaking in quiet and drama-free and taking the throne. (laughs) I totally see that as well. I totally get it. So how about you? What do you think? Hmm, I don't know. What's going on? Excuse me. Hey, girl. Hey, Hello. hi. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Is there an exit? <laughs> <laughs> we don't that own this show anymore. This is now Sydney's show. I needed. Ah, oh, jeez. Happy lost, Friday, everyone. Lost, lost, This is fantastic. Thank you to all of our guests, <laughs> David Graham, Lysandra Villa, Andrew Barth Feldman, Taylor Lorenz, and Syzygy, a.k.a. our very own Zach Ayers. <laughs> Next week we have Rob Thomas, Tayari Jones, Ricky Whittle, Tan France, and more. And Isaac and Saeed will be back here Monday at 10 a.m. Have a great weekend. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>